Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today I want to start a new series on the power of praise and worship. I want to talk about why we should praise God and why it's so important for us. And uh, number one, we were created, it's as simple as this, we were created to glorify God. And that starts by giving glory to God through our thanksgiving, praise and worship. I want to show that that is really the beginning of it all, if we want to glorify God in our life. When we praise God, we are fulfilling the purpose of our existence. And actually, that's what gives us joy, fulfilling the purpose of our existence. And so our praise life is a very important part of our life. It's important to us. It's important to God. I want to show how it's central to our spiritual life, uh, our life of faith. And I want to emphasize the power of praise. That is, it has a powerful effect on God, on us, and on the enemy. And so praise blesses God, it benefits us, and it beautifies us, and it also binds the enemy. Praise is the key, therefore, to experiencing the fullness of God's blessing and joy and victory. And, uh, you know, the book of Psalms is the longest book of the Bible. That tells you something. It's God's handbook for praise and worship. And uh, it's given that we might deepen our devotional life so that we can enter into the fullness that God has for us. 1 Peter 2.9 says we're created to praise God. We've been chosen to proclaim his praises. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were created to praise God. And so it's God's will that our life be full of praise and thanksgiving. You know, one place where we see the perfect will of God being done is heaven. Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. So the will of God is done in heaven. And well, whenever we get a glimpse of heaven in the Bible, that everyone is praising and worshipping God. Just read the book of Revelation, especially chapter 4 and 5. Heaven is full of praise and worship. It's their lifestyle. And so it must be God's will for us to live on earth as they do in heaven, by a lifestyle of praise. And uh, that is what we should aspire to. Our highest calling is really to worship God in intimate, spirit-to-spirit, heart-to-heart communion fellowship with God. We love God first through our worship and secondly through our works. <clears throat> in fact, the horizontal service to God in, in the world should flow out of our vertical relationship worshipping God. First is the vertical, then it flows out into the horizontal. What we do in the world for God is an expression of our worship of God in the secret place, in his presence. And Jesus expressed this order in Matthew 4. He said, answering Satan when he was trying to tempt him, you shall worship, number one, you shall worship the Lord your God, and number two, him only will you serve. And this declaration was in response to the devil's temptation, where the devil tried, said to Jesus, all these things I'll give you, you know, all the wonders of the world, if you will fall down. Uh, in submission and worship me. And that shows that the devil understood the importance of worship 
and, and the primacy of worship. He knew that if Christ gave him his worship, then he would be surrendering and giving him his heart, and thereby his whole being. And then it would follow naturally that then he would be compelled to serve the, and obey the devil in, in the details of life. And so worship comes first, and Jesus, of course, rejected that temptation. Holiness, another way to put this is that holiness, which is the state of our being, necessarily becomes, comes before righteousness. Righteousness is our actions in the world. To be holy is to be filled with God's love within. Righteousness is that God's love in action. Holiness is a state of being whereby we're surrendered to God through worship and filled with his presence through that. And from this state of holiness, we can then do works of righteousness. Without a love relationship with God through intimate worship, our service for God will be lacking and not fully satisfying to God. Jesus gave uh, a message to the Ephesian church um, in Revelation chapter 2. He acknowledged all the works, all the things they did for him, but then he said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You know, we need to, to realize that actually it's our greatest honor and joy to worship and love God and, and do it intentionally with all our heart. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's first love, just loving God, worshiping God. And he said, you can do all the things out there and, and actually not be loving God in your heart. It's not really, the things we do should flow out of our love and our worship of God. And so, for instance, a couple who are in that state of first love, they are, their intimacy comes first and then the rest of what they do for each other and, and in the world flows out of that place of love. And that's what God wants for us in our relationship with him. So the prime directive is to love the Lord our God with all our heart. And then the second directive, which flows from that, is to, you shall love your, your neighbor as yourself. In other words, that, that love for God then gets expressed in our actions in the world. So we must first give ourselves to God in worship for our service to have real value. Just think of the the parable of the prodigal son, the older brother. There he is, he's working hard, he's serving his father in the fields, and yet his heart was a long way away from his father because he never spent time with his father, fellowshipping with his father. As a result, he didn't have his father's heart. And his service, therefore, only had external value. So service is not a substitute for worship. But if we give God our heart in worship, then he will also have our service. He'll have our time, our money, our obedience. We see this order too in Hebrews 13. It says, therefore by him let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So continually praising God and thanking God. And then he says, secondly, but do not forget, this is also important, but it's second, forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So notice the order. Our worship and intimate fellowship with God is the essential core of our life from which the rest of our activity derives its value. Your worship is essential. 
That is, it's at the essence of your life. It defines the essence of who you are. Who you worship defines who you are. You become like the one you worship because you surrender to that one's power. Therefore, worshipping the living God adds value or holiness to your being because God fills you with his love, his peace, his wisdom, his joy, and so on, as you worship him. Therefore, of all our, of our activities, it's our worship that has the highest value because it's the one thing that is necessary or needful. Other things are good, but they are not essential or necessary in the same way. And Jesus taught us this in the story of the two sisters, Martha and Mary, in Luke 10. <clears throat> it says, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, are you worried and troubled about many things? But one thing is needed, or one thing is necessary or essential, and Mary has chosen that good part, or the, the most valuable portion, which will not be taken away from her. So in all her busyness, Martha lost perspective of what was really important, spending time with Jesus, loving him, receiving from him, that which was, would be of lasting value and strength to her life, his words. And all the things that preoccupied her, uh, you know that yes, they had some value, but their value was nothing compared to the one thing that Jesus said was needful, was necessary. And that's face-to-face -face time with him. Loving him and being loved by him, being nourished by him. Mary had chosen to put that one thing, that necessary thing first, and Jesus praised him, praised her for that. The other things were not essential in the same way, because Martha could have postponed her activity and serving until Jesus had finished teaching. No one would have starved. Uh, now, this isn't an excuse for laziness, of course, not to serve, you know, to not serve God in practical ways. That's part of who, what we should do. These are, these are important expressions of our love for God when we serve him. And if we don't have that side to our life, our life will be out of balance. It's not an issue of whether we should either worship or serve. But the issue is, what should we give the first priority? Jesus was simply saying, we should do both, but we must put first things first and put our devotional life with God first before anything else. Our service for God will not suffer if we do that because our time in worship will result in us being refreshed, empowered, renewed in wisdom. And so we'll be able to serve him all the better. Jesus promised, didn't he? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things in the earth will be added to you. You, you will be able to do what God wants you to do. The ultimate purpose of our life for which we've been created is to glorify God. And this necessarily begins with glorifying God by offering up our beings in surrender to God, which in practice we do by surrendering our hearts to him in worship. Then secondly, to glorify God, as an expression of our surrendered being, 
we glorify him through our corresponding actions. When we give our hearts to God in worship, what happens is we start to connect with his life and his grace in us. And we discover who we are and what we're called to do and the purpose for which we're created. And our real life flows out of our worship. As we begin to live that out, we experience true fulfillment. Our lives then become full of joy and meaning and significance. Our worship defines us and develops who we are in our inner being. And the rest of our life is, is an expression of that. It flows out of our worship. And so we need to see praise and worship as our prime directive, our highest calling, our greatest activity, the essential first step in fulfilling God's will and purpose for our life. It's through our worship that we become holy, set apart to God, prepared and made ready to do good works for him. The rest of our life is the secondary outworking of our worship. We, we really have to get this clear. If we don't surrender to God in worship as our first priority, as the foundation, as the basis for the whole life, we become disconnected from our divinely ordained purpose. And our life then becomes a meaningless, empty, unfulfilling, joyless routine of activities. The meaning, purpose and value of our life cannot be found in our activities, but it's in our relationship, our fellowship with the living God, our union and communion with God. That's what gives our life meaning. Our lives should have a balance. I'm just saying there's a priority, but there's a balance in our life between rest and work. In our times of worship, what's happening is our hearts enter into rest in God. We allow God to fill us with his strength and his peace and his wisdom and so on. And then from that place of rest, we can work most effectively. If, though, we put our work first, we miss out all the grace that we could receive in that time of rest. And we end up living in our own strength and getting all stressed out, like Martha. And we don't fulfill our potential. We don't enjoy our life. But there's a deeper issue uh, than the fact that we'll just function better in our thoughts and actions if we will put worship first. That's true. But let's just think of this deeper now. Because if that's the limit of our thinking, if, the, if we're thinking, well, I'll worship because that will make me function better, we are still seeing our outward life as the primary source of our meaning and our identity, our, our outward actions. And then we're seeing worship just as a means to an end. This in turn actually puts limits on our worship and what God can do through us. We need to go deeper by realizing that there is nothing higher or greater than knowing God and worshiping God. That is the ultimate. And we need to worship God for who he is in himself, apart from what he can do for us. You know, we shouldn't see knowing and worshiping God as a means to an end, but as an end in itself. God is the end. He is the purpose of our being. There is nothing greater than worshiping God, even if it didn't give us any benefits. You know, we, through worship, we deepen our union with God and our holiness in God, and we come to know him more. It is the highest activity we can do. It's not a preparation for something else. 
it, it is, but its purpose is the highest thing we can do. There is nothing more important. It's the primary purpose of our being, expressing our existential relationship and need of God as his creatures who are utterly dependent on him. That's where everything starts from that place. Revelation 4, the praise is this, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. We exist by God's will. And the King James translates it, For your pleasure. We were created for your pleasure. We exist for God's pleasure, to worship God, to glorify God. And so, because he created us, and because we exist for him, ultimately, he is worthy to receive all our praise and worship. We don't need any other reason to worship God than this, that it's what we were created to do. It's right and appropriate for us as his creatures. But it's also true that worship brings wonderful results and benefits in our life because our real life flows from, derives from, and flows from God. God is the source of all good things in our life. We only possess identity and life and value and meaning and purpose through our union with God. And we only discover and experience these things in reality by connecting with God, by surrendering to Him in worship. You see, God has created us not as independent beings, but to be dependent on him so that we only discover our true selves and our true realities and potentialities as God made us. And, and we only find true joy and fulfillment through our union with him. We don't discover it any other way. And therefore, he's ordained that only when we seek him in worship and give our hearts to him in worship, only then will we experience his fullness of life and, and the joy of fulfilling our purpose and destiny. And so, Let me explain how this works because it, it will help to understand this. We were created as spiritual beings in the image of God, God who is a spirit. When we were born again, our spirits were created, recreated, we became new creations in Christ where all things in our spirit are of God. And we are one spirit with the Lord now. And our spirits are born of God and they are full of, the, of light. Uh, uh, our spirit is called our new man, is created in true holiness and righteousness. And we are complete in our union with Christ. Our spirit is called God's workmanship, his work of art, his masterpiece, created for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, we're pre-programmed in our spirit with all and, and equipped for all the things that God's called us to do. And our life, our true life, is hidden with Christ in God. And Christ is our life. And Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And therefore, the life of Christ is already in our spirit. So everything we need and everything God wants us to do is already there, as it were, in the DNA and the pre-programming of our spirit. And that means that our true selves, our real potential, our real purpose is already in our spirit and also the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit and seals our spirit 
So what that means is when we surrender our hearts to God in worship, our hearts are opened to allow and receive the Holy Spirit and the life of Christ in his love, his wisdom, his strength to flow into our hearts and fill our hearts. And when that happens, it activates our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions is activated and we come alive. And with the, this life of Christ in our hearts, we can now express it in our lives through the corresponding actions. And then we will be fully glorifying God and fulfilling our purpose in life through our worship and our work. So as we worship, the life of God flows in our heart and then we can express that in our life. We'll never discover who we are without first being a worshipper of God. That comes first. So we need to understand that the purpose of our being is to glorify God and to do this we must put our worship of God first at the very centre and core of our lifestyle. Only then will our heart be properly connected to God, the source of our life, and then we'll receive his wisdom, his power and so on. And then we can glorify God in our lives. Unless we give ourselves to worship, we will miss out on God's best for us. Praise and worship brings our whole life under the Lordship of God and it integrates our whole being and our whole life and brings it into unity under God so that our whole life becomes an extension of our worship. Otherwise, our outward life and our inward life gets divided. But as we worship God, we, we become harmonized and integrated as human beings. We don't have a double life. It's, that's what Psalm 22 says. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of your people. And so as we praise God, God is enthroned. And he, he now, his authority and his life now uh, starts to control, as it were, our whole lifestyle. As we declare his holiness, his value in our sight, but is magnified above everything else. And we are able to release them and let go of our idols and totally cling to God as we worship him. As we exalt God above all the thoughts and the things of our life, we establish him in our heart as, as being the most precious, the most holy, the most valuable. And that brings our heart into submission to him and it breaks the dominion of things over us. It brings everything under his rule so that those things and our whole life comes into submission. And then the rest of our life will carry the his presence with us. And so that's the first reason we were created to praise God. The second reason is that praise blesses God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My mouth will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name together. See all these words for praise, exalt, boast, magnify, praise. But one of them is bless. When we praise God, we bless God. We make God happy. It gives him pleasure. Like children, when they praise and they thank their parents that blesses the parents so God is blessed when we praise and worship God 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with a dance. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and harp. Notice this. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, especially when they praise him. He will beautify the humble, those who surrender to him in worship, the humble. He will beautify them with salvation. And that's what we were saying, that as you worship God and praise God, God beautifies you. That is, the beauty of who you are in your spirit will now shine forth. And, and your, the beauty of who God made you in Christ will be manifested in your character and life. Your, your personality will be beautified as you praise God because you are releasing the life of God. It, re, it re causes your Christ-like nature and personality to be manifested. Bless the Lord. You see, when you praise God, you bless God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. If we're going to praise God, do it with everything you've got. All that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. In other words, you praise God and you also thank him for all the blessings he's given you and all the blessings he's promised you. Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking those who will worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is looking for worshippers because he's blessed by our worship and because when we worship him, we give him the opportunity to bless us. And so he wants to pour his blessing out on us. He loves us. But he can't. So he's looking for worshippers because they're the very ones that he can bless. And we see this finally in Acts 13. It says that there were prophets and teachers at Antioch. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work which I've called them. Notice they were ministering to the Lord through praise and worship. They were wanting to bless God. And that opened their hearts to hear God. And as they were ministering to God, their hearts were open. The Holy Spirit spoke into their hearts and the Holy Spirit released them into their ministry. So as you worship God, as you minister to him, first of all, and seek to bless him, as a result of that, you will be released into what God wants you to do in your life, in your ministry. First, you worship God and then you connect with the life of God and the anointing of God is released in your life. Your ministry flows out of your worship. I want to encourage you to get two of my CD series, which are my favorites really, that build a strong foundation for your faith through understanding our covenant with God, the blood covenant and also the covenant names of God. If you have this in your heart, you will have such confidence in your covenant with God. Each series has eight CDs in, and uh, it will strengthen your life greatly. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services, which are every Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3. 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 
0866 